Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. So good to be with all of you today. So um, my name is Pastor Drew, and I've had a chance and a, um, an opportunity to meet many of you. But uh, for those of you that I haven't met, um, I'm a so glad to be with you today. I'm primarily up at the Providence campus of Christ Lutheran. Um, and somebody asked me earlier, what do you do? What do what's your role at Christ Lutheran? So um, I, do, I wear a lot of hats, but the main thing that I do is adult faith formation. And so all our small groups, our life groups, all of our adult classes, basically trying to help um, uh, adults continue to walk in discipleship as followers of Jesus, which is something that I love to do. And occasionally I get asked to, um, uh, and invited to go preach at both our Concord campus and our South campus. And, and today is my uh, first opportunity to be able to share God's word with you all at Christ South. So thanks for having me on um, this last Sunday in October. It's great to be here. Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. How's everybody feeling? All right, all right, good. I love the energy here. You can feel it when you walk in the, the room. You guys must have had a good breakfast, I'm thinking. You know, somebody's saying, Samantha's saying, not so much. But I want to tell you a story that began with a bottle of orange juice. Earlier this year, there was a man up in New Jersey who went out to the store and he bought a single bottle of orange juice for $5. And it changed his entire life. Now, some of you are maybe thinking, $5, that sounds like a little high for orange juice, and you're not wrong if that's the case. His wife thought so, too. She had found uh, the same bottle for $2.50 somewhere else. She, she said, you've got to take that back, and he did. And with the $5 that he got back from that bottle of orange juice, you know what he did? He bought two lottery tickets. Now, some of you realize where this is going. The next day, he's out running errands. And this man, whose name was Tayeb Suami, he goes into a 7-Eleven and he scans his two tickets. And the first one says, no prize. And the second one says, please see the cashier. So he goes up. And this cashier just starts jumping up and down. And, and before he knows it, this father of four realizes that his assets have grown by $183 million after taxes. He said he was shaking so badly on the way home he couldn't hardly drive. He was asked, what are you going to do with your winnings? And he said, well, I'm going to pay off my mortgage, I'm going to cover my daughter's college tuition, and I'm going to celebrate with my new favorite drink. Can you guess what it was? <laughs> exactly, orange juice, yeah. Now this story is not meant to be an endorsement either for or against the lottery, but I'm sure many of you realize why it came to mind, because it seems like this past week, Everybody's been talking about this Mega Millions lottery where the jackpot by Tuesday had risen to, do you remember? $1.6 billion. It's like a mind-boggling number. And whether you went out to the local convenience store and bought tickets or not, a lot of the people around us did. At one point on Tuesday in California, 200 tickets were being sold per second. Think about that. On the East Coast, Leading up to the drawing, um, 9,100 tickets were being sold per minute. And yet the odds of winning were incredibly small. One out of 302 million. Just to put that in perspective, that would be like you or me 
correctly picking one person by name out of the entire United States population. And yet, people bought tickets. Why? Because there has to be one. There has to be one Taib Suami, one person who takes his bottle of orange juice back and, he's, and, he, and he wins it. You know what I loved? I loved reading the stories about why people bought tickets. One person said, I just had a feeling. I knew it was going to be my day. I knew I was going to win. Another person who I found more intriguing, a 75-year-old guy named Hank Catan, he said this. He said, I knew I'd never win, but you've got to give it a shot because I'd like to change my way of life. Maybe it would be my lucky day, he said. You know, the story made me think about somebody in the Bible that we're going to focus on today. And he's somebody that wanted to change his life too. But the odds for him were incredibly long. They were longer than winning the Mega Millions jackpot. He's a guy by the name of Bartimaeus. And we hear about him in chapter 10 of Mark's Gospel. And in verse 46, we read this. They came to Jericho, and as Jesus was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. Now, a lot of things stand out about Bartimaeus. Um, the first one that usually leaps out is that he's unable to see. In fact, down through the centuries, he's been nicknamed Blind Bartimaeus. And in the ancient world, the consequences of that were huge. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't hold down a job. You couldn't support a family. You couldn't earn a living. You really couldn't earn anything, which is really what leads to the second trait, that he's a beggar. That he's entirely dependent on help to come to him from the outside, on what people are willing to give as they pass along the road leading out of Jericho. Man, what are the odds that things are ever going to change for Bartimaeus? They look, they look really small, right? That he's going to spend the rest of his life in the dark. But then one day, then one day Bartimaeus goes out to the place where he, he's used to getting pocket change, and he overhears the name of someone that he, he thinks, he hopes, can bring life change. Here's the name Jesus. Jesus is coming to his town of Jericho. And by this point in Mark's gospel, Jesus, he's, he's deep into his ministry and he's, he's in demand. People want a slice of his time. There's a big crowd that's gathered around him. Everybody wants a chance to talk to Jesus. To, to, they're waiting in line for an opportunity to, to, get, to get to see him, to hear from him. He's, he's controversial. They want to know. And you know, Jericho is not that far from Jerusalem. So a lot of the priests who worked in Jerusalem, they lived in Jericho. So probably this crowd included a lot of priests, a lot of powerful people, and they're all waiting for their chance to hear and talk to Jesus. Have you ever been in a place where you've been waiting to talk to somebody and you're almost, you're almost to them and then somebody slides right in front of you? I remember back a few years ago I was, when I was in seminary, I had a chance to hear a really famous preacher. And afterwards I was going to meet him. And I was waiting in line, and I, I got up to the front of the line, and I put my arm around him to take a picture. And a, a woman slid over, and she started talking to him and put her arm around him. And somebody took our picture, and now there's this person who I've never met, and she's on one side, and then I'm on the other side of him. I think that's maybe how the people felt. They were waiting for the chance to talk to Jesus, and Bartimaeus starts shouting. He starts shouting, Jesus, son of David. Have mercy on me. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. We don't know. We don't know how long he shouted before his voice gets heard over the, 
the clamor and the chatter of the crowd, we don't know if Bartimaeus really believed he'd ever be heard, right? I mean, he could have been like, I, I just had this feeling that Jesus is going to hear me. Or, or he could have um, said, Man, I, I, don't, I, I know I'll never get her, but I've got to give it a shot. Because today might be my lucky day. I want a change of life. You know what Bartimaeus' story is going to show us? It's going to show us that luck has nothing to do with it. That when it comes to it, whether or not God wants to be in relationship with us, whether God wants to give us the time of day, whether God wants to be with us, it's not about luck, it's about love. Love hears Bartimaeus. Love, love hears him, even though he's got no resume, he's got no spiritual standing, he's got no VIP status or social connections. The love made flesh of Jesus hears him, even though people are telling him to be quiet. In fact, um, the crowds start telling him to be quiet, and maybe it's because they're frustrated that he won't, that he's cutting in line. Maybe it's because they're embarrassed by this raw display of need that he's showing. He's saying, Jesus, I need you. I've got to have you. I've got to be with you. But love hears. I mean, you know what else the Bible says that's really powerful? Not only does love hear Bartimaeus, love takes a stand for him. The gospel there says, Jesus stopped and said to him, call him. But the Greek is even stronger. The Greek is this word, histami, and it means Jesus took a stand. Jesus took a stand for him and said, I'm not leaving here until I get a chance to talk to you. I'm not leaving here until I can show you that I'm for you, that I'm with you. I'm not leaving here until you come to me. And then all of a sudden, the people that were saying to Bartimaeus to be quiet, they start saying, it's your lucky day, Bartimaeus. Despite all the odds, Jesus has chosen you. He's calling you. Take heart. Get up. He wants you to come. And he throws off his cloak and he comes. And some say, you know, he, Bartimaeus just happened to be at the right place or at the right time. But what I think it shows us is that Jesus is always right on time for us when we need him the most. That he meets us there. That he comes to us. Verses 50 and 52 say this. And throwing off his cloak, Bartimaeus sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. I love first that Bartimaeus, when Jesus calls him, he takes his cloak that he's wearing, maybe as one possession, and he throws it off. Maybe this possession that he relied on for his defense, his security, his comfort, he, he throws it off. What's that telling us? What's it maybe suggesting? What are the things in our life that, that we sometimes um, look to to be our security that we might be asked to set aside to let Jesus be our security, to let Jesus be our provider, our sustainer? And then he says, Lord, let me recover my sight. And it's not, it's not hard to understand why he would ask for such a thing, right? I mean, it's going to let him get back to living a more normal life, you could say. But Jesus says to him, Bartimaeus, go your way. And you notice what he does. He follows Jesus on the way. Which I think is pointing to the fact that something's happened here more than just his physical eyes being opened. The eyes of his heart have been opened. And now he sees who God really is. 
He sees that God's not some tyrant off in space waiting to punish us when we make a mistake, when we make one false move, as sometimes people, sometimes we can even fall into the trap of seeing God. He is a heavenly Father who embraces us in our weakness, in our failings, in our sin. He claims us. I think he sees with those new eyes about who God is for him. The same kind of sight that was given to this young monk in the 1500s by the name of Martin Luther. And if you don't know much about Martin Luther's story, he was, um, he was an incredibly pious, faith, spiritually driven young guy. But he lived in fear of God. Because for much of his life, he thought that God demanded this level of perfection that he could never meet. And he, he thought that God was waiting, just waiting for him to make one false move so that he could strike him down. And, and in many ways, Luther, in his own heart, was blind to the truth about how God actually sees us. But he cried out for mercy. And mercy came. In the year around 512, this young monk, Martin Luther, was studying the book of Romans. And when he was going through Romans, he come, came to the first chapter, verse 17, and there he read this. It said... For the righteous live by faith. And this changed Luther's whole world. The righteous shall live by faith. Because he realized that to be righteous, to be in a right relationship of God, with God, is not based on what we do or we don't do, but on what Jesus has done for us. And that faith, the faith we live in, is, is simply to trust that that's true. And when Luther realized that, he said this. He said, looking back, it felt like I had been born anew, that the gates of heaven had been opened for me, and the whole of Scripture gained a new understanding. See, he's talking about these new eyes. He says, he says then, from then on, this phrase, the righteousness of God, never, it never so long filled me with hatred anymore. It filled me with this sweetness because of such a great love for me. You know, I remember a few years back, there was a pastor named Peter Marty from Minnesota. Um, any of you guys from the Midwest originally? All right, a few. Yeah. Um, and so he's traveling down through the south, and he stops for breakfast at this little place like a Waffle House. And he, um, he orders his, his eggs and his bacon, and the waitress brings out his, his food on the tray, and she sets it down. And there's this little bowl of white stuff. Now, you, we're in the south. You all know what that, that would be. But he doesn't. So he says, what is this? And she says, that's grits. He says, well, I didn't order the grits. And she said, honey, when you're here, you don't order the grits. The grits just come. <laughs> that's how grace works. That's how grace works for Bartimaeus. It just comes to him. And despite the long odds, that's how it worked for Martin Luther when he's there studying the Bible and the grace invades his life. And it opens his eyes. To see that God is not out to get us. God is not waiting for us to make one false move, but God loves us no matter what. In my, um, in my college years, I lived with that fear. I remember, I remember wondering if God would just be filled with rage when I would make a mistake. And then I read this book. Some of you have read it before. It's called The Ragamuffin Gospel by a, guy named, a preacher named Brendan Manning. And it changed and opened my eyes. For me, it was not my lucky day. It was my love day. I want to read you what Brennan Manning says here in the beginning. He says that this gospel of Jesus 
It's for the bedraggled, the beat up, and the burnout. It's for the sorely burdened and, and the still shifting, the heavy suitcase from one hand to the other. It's for the poor, weak, sinful people with hereditary faults and limited talents. It's for earthen vessels who shuffle along on feet of clay. It's for the bent and the bruised who feel sometimes that their lives are a grave disappointment to God. It's for the smart people who know they're stupid and for the honest disciples who admit they're scallywags. When I read these words about the kind of love that Jesus had for us, it drove home for me what Jesus is talking about, the way our Abba, our Father, how he views us. Today was my love day, one of many, where Jesus came home. You know, one of Martin Luther's um, famous biographers was this guy named Heiko Obermann. That's a really, um, uh, um, he wrote this incredible book on him. And he said one thing that's really important. He said, he said this, only when the crippling fear of not being saved or the anxious egotism of achieving our own salvation have been overcome by faith can the welfare of the world around us come into view. See what he's saying there? He's saying only when we're no longer just so afraid that we're never going to be good enough, or on the other hand, when we're, we're walking around full of pride because we think, look what I've done for God, when we realize that it's all a gift, then we can pay attention to the needs of the world around us. Our eyes have been opened to see and to love the neighbor as self. And that's what Luther found before he would say those words later on, here I stand for you, God. He realized Jesus had taken a stand for us. And his last words that he ever wrote were these. He said, we are beggars. We're all beggars. We're all dependent upon the grace and the mercy of Christ to come to us. The needs of the people around us, like the needs of the people in South Charlotte that led Christ Lutheran, spearheaded by all of you, to, to, um, to start this campus. For the people that are here that are waiting, not for their lucky day, but for their love day. The day when they're going to hear the unconditional love of Jesus for them. The people in Concord, the needs there, who are waiting for their love day. And for the needs of people halfway around the world, too, in a place called Bihar, India. You know, later today, we're going to have our fourth annual Oktoberfest at our church. And it's, it's going to have all this fun and food and um, games, but really it's about service. And it's about serving the needs of this one of the poorest places in the world called Bihar. And two years ago, Christ Lutheran, we partnered all three of our campuses with Lutheran World Relief. And we, we went into a partnership to help mostly women farmers have more sustainable crops, to learn how to make organic pesticides, to help um, have a healthier, richer life. And now two years into the project, we as Christ Lutheran, all three campuses, have had a bold impact. I want to show you a really short video um, from this.
Bartimaeus followed Jesus on the way. Luther followed Jesus on the way. And we are following Jesus on the way. Um, we still have seats that are open tonight at, at Old Mecklenburg Brewery. Um, we, we would love for you to come and hear more about the work that we as one church are doing to help um, the people of Bihar. You know, there are many around us who are still waiting for that lucky day. They're still waiting and hoping for that, that they're going to be the one out of 302 million um, who will hit that jackpot and, and, and say things. Say things like, uh, man, just think about the good that I could do if that happened. Just think about how secure I'd be. Just think about how I'd be set for life. Well, friends, today, in fact, we celebrate something far, far greater Instead of the lucky day, we celebrate the love day that is today. That the God of heaven and earth comes to us today in Jesus, his son. That he comes to us in his word. That he comes to us in bread and wine. He comes to us and so we know that we can already do so much good through Jesus. We're already secure for eternity in Jesus. We're already set for life by Jesus. And as the old hymn says, amazing grace... How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. When you wake up tomorrow, it's your love day. The day that Jesus will meet you. And the day after that, your love day, when he'll meet you today, may not be our lucky day, but it is our love day. And he's here. Together we say thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray together. Gracious God, your love is like the wildest uh, waves of the ocean, um, powerful. Um, and although the, um, to the world the odds of us uh, receiving, Lord, such a great love look so small, that we don't deserve it, Lord, um, that we're all beggars like Bartimaeus who don't bring you anything to boast of, we can only receive from your loving hands. Father, remind us that you, you take a stand for us in Jesus, that you come to us right on time, right in the ways that we need you today. But today's not our lucky day, it's our love day. It's the day that you meet us where we need you the most. Um, so Father, may we feel by your Holy Spirit that invasion of grace that just comes to us when we least expect it sometimes. And surround us with that so that our eyes are opened to see the needs of the world around us, O oh Lord. The needs of the people that you love who are waiting to hear your love as well. All this we pray in the name of Jesus, your Son, our Savior. Amen. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.